Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. And a special shout-out to my good friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, I know you're going to love the show today because I know how much you like our guest. So special hello to Yoshiko. And I want to thank Highmark, our lead sponsor on our radio show. And they've done so much for me. I so appreciate it. And AudioEye and Covestro are also sponsors of the show. You know, Covestro is right here in Pittsburgh, and AudioEye, headquartered in Arizona, is a national and innovative leader in a software product for accessibility. So check them out at AudioEye.com. But our show today is a subject I'm very, very interested in, and it is a pleasure for me to have as a guest someone I've known quite some time, a great advocate for Americans with disabilities, and someone I really like. So welcome to the show, Matthew McCullough. How are you, Matt? Great. Thank you very much. Good afternoon to everyone. Well, hey, Matt, let's start by you telling our listeners how you first became involved in the disability community. Well, actually, I became involved with this great community when I was born. I was born with cerebral palsy, and I was diagnosed with it at the age of two, and so at that point, my parents made sure that I got the proper therapies, such as speech, physical therapy, and uh, other types of therapies. So, so I've been involved with the disability community since the very beginning. Well, you know what, Matt, I have a question about that. What made you decide to become an advocate? Well, it was actually much later in life. So, so when I went out to college, I went to James Madison University in James Madison um, is based in Virginia, and I noticed that there weren't too many students, um, college students with displays, and I was found that very interesting. And and as I went on to graduate from college and got my first job as a contractor for the Department of Justice, I truly realized that I was. Using the only one with a physical with a physical disability, and not only that, I was almost a person color. Um, um, I am a Filipino American, and so so there weren't there weren't too many people that looked like me when when I was growing up or in the job setting as well. And, and so, that's what made you decide to do this. You know, well, well, maybe. Decide. I mean, be an advocate. Yeah, well, I wanted to make it a job change. Well, I my background is in public public policy and government, but I was much more interested in understanding why there were very few people with displays in the workplace. So I made the very conscious decision to change 
tips are clear from public policy um, within the government sector to nonprofit. And at which point, um, a person that I have great respect for, I had an interview with George, George Gessian. George Gessian used to be the director of the Association of Universities and displays the same of nonprofit that any imperato calling overseas. And so at that time, I really wanted to learn, one, what were the challenges and, and, and understand why were there not too many folks with displays calling working in the public sector, nonprofit sector, and so forth. So I really made that conscious choice to really learn about our community and the struggles and the challenges that we all face in terms of the workforce and, and trying to obtain the appropriate supports, long-term supports and services and so forth. So AUCD gave me a very great foundation of really understanding what, well, all of the different impacts that that involve people with disabilities in terms of making sure that they get a good quality of life. Oh, that makes me really happy to hear that. Especially, I love Andy, and I, of course, was the chair of the board of AAPD at That's, one time. Of course. So, yeah. you know, that, that is wonderful. And you certainly have been uh, an advocate. You were appointed by President Obama to the U.S. Access Board, elected board president of the National Association of Councils on Developmental Disability, and I know that was the first time in history the president yes. of this association was a person with developmental disabilities, which is unbelievable. And you were also the communications manager for the D.C. Office of Civil Rights Disability rights. So you do have quite a background. And you know, Matt, many times when people speak to me, they really don't understand what a developmental disability is. Um, So could you explain that to our listeners, what it is? Of course, of course. Well, primarily a person with DD, with development disability, is actually born with their disability, but it's actually based on a on a federal law, and so you need to meet certain criteria. So first, a doctor needs to make a diagnosis before the age of 22. So, and also, in the, the disability or disability plural needs to impact being three major life activities. So when I started the show, I I disclosed that I had cerebral palsy, so it impacts my ability to move around, to speak, and I'm also I'm also partially deaf in my left ear. So so with those three major life activities, I I myself is a person with DD for short. So so in other words, the way you should view a person with the development display is that um, it's a person with, in many cases, a significant disability that, um, the may, that they may need assistance with, with um, daily life activities or, or learning 
Well, being an educated, being an educator, getting reasonable accommodations at the work, in the work environment, and so, so, but in many cases, three major life activities must be impacted, and, and so, so that's why a person would do the yes. Well, you know what? I'm so glad you explained that because many times people think <clears throat> developmental disability is only an intellectual disability. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? They sort of throw yeah. it all together. No, uh, but that is not correct. That, yeah, that, well, that is not correct. Am I right? They, well, well, I think intellectual disability falls only under the umbrella of, of a development disability, and many people, you know, many people group ID with DD together simply because of how uh, funding sources are, are created through the federal government, and many, many of the um, Medicaid dollars that we that we support our citizens with intellectual disabilities. They are solely for folks with ID. However, in some states, including um, Washington, D.C., um, there, there may be services for only folks with, with ID. However, if you're a person with DD but, but do not have the diagnosis of an intellectual disability, you may not be able to be eligible for services that are being offered in that particular state. So, so there may be a service gap <clears throat> in certain states that um, may, not may not necessarily serve folks with a development display, but, but do not have the diagnosis, the primary diagnosis of an intellectual disability. So that's, um, and that's a challenge for all the states right now. So that means you can have an uh, you can have a developmental disability, and it does not mean you automatically have an intellectual disability. But if you have an intellectual disability, it falls under the umbrella of developmental disability. Is that correct? Very true. Very true indeed. So, so you can also talk about people with autism um, and. People with MS and, and so forth, or, or people like people, uh, people, people like me with epilepsy. Yeah, epilepsy. Well, as long as they were diagnosed with the disability before the age of twenty-two, and so, mm-hmm. so, so that that age is important because between birth and the age of twenty-two, that's when your brain Evolved the most, and so so there's a lot of changes that that your brain undergoes developmentally, and so so and so if there's three major life activities impacted, um, that impacts your overall development. Well, in many cases, you may have a de- development disability, such as myself. Right. Well, hey, Matt, we're going to talk more about this, but right now we're going to go to break. And if you just joined us, we're talking to Matt McCullough, the district 
of Columbia Developmental Disabilities Council, uh, Executive Director, and you will hear him when we come back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. For those in leadership positions with corporations, governments, nonprofits, and educational institutions, please pay attention. Are you aware that 10 to 15% of your potential clients are unable to use your websites properly? At AudioEye, an advanced technology has been created that eliminates accessibility issues and levels the playing field for all. Make the Internet a meaningful resource for millions of more people. Go to AudioEye.com. More accessible, more usable, more people. Call on AudioEye today. Visit AudioEye.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back everyone, and we are talking to Matt McCullough, Executive Director of the District of Columbia Developmental Disabilities Council, and a great young leader for the disability community in this country. So, Matt, let's hear about it. What is what does it mean to be the executive director of the Developmental Disabilities Council in the District of Columbia? Well, it's a great honor because um, the DC City Council represents one of one of fifty six councils across the nation. And we are mandated in Texas and the state and territory. And we are funded by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services within the um, Administration for Community Living. And we are solely charged with working with our families and our folks with DD to make sure that, that they have a good quality of life. 
So that means that we assess them to to understand the service system that they're working with. Not only that, we identify gaps, um, service gaps that the year the the state government and or the community may not address. For example, in DC, we have a leadership program known as the DC DC Advocacy <coughs> Partners Program. That's a partners and policy making program, and that program invests in our young leaders with DD and our family members to to instill the leadership qualities that they need in order to advocate on their own behalf. So they will be working with a lot of government officials and, and policy makers in order to guide those folks through what does it mean to improve the quality of services that impacts our citizens with development with development displays and so it's a lot of work in terms of empowering our folks, our family members and our citizens with development displays. However, then we know it's a great investment because once they're able to access the services that they need and guide those services the way that they want them, that means that that person is given greater so, so determination, greater independence, and in the end, a greater way of leading their own life that they choose. So is it mainly like evaluating and policy making? Uh, like how do you make sure that people are being given the services they should be receiving? So... so we do that in many different ways. We we create programs that 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 invest in the community where we serve, and so so we assist folks in doing their own testimony before the the DC Council. As you know, DC is not a state, so so we don't have proper representation within the the U.S. Congress, unfortunately, and we can't vote. So we we go to the DC Council and we uh, we educate our council members on what does it mean to to be a person with the development displays and we also influence the budget and, and we educate our 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 policymakers and our government officials on why should they invest in citizens with development displays. And their families, in terms of making sure that the families get the proper support and services that they need, and so, so, and the way that I view it is that the the greater sense of empowerment that we can give our citizens with development, with development disabilities and their families, that means that they're directing their own lives, and which means that the in many cases, they are having a better quality of life because they have greater control over their own lives. Now, if it's like an individual and they need help, would they go to you or would they go to one of your programs? So, so it depends on what that person needs. In D.C., we talk about person-centered, 
and truly valuing what that person needs in terms of their quality of service and support. And so it's in terms of my line of work, it's simply listening to what the family and or the person with the development disability would need and, and, and understand how should we guide that person through that source um, system and how can we navigate them towards the, the um, long-term support and services that they're looking because, um, because there are a lot of services being offered in D.C. and in other states, and the service system can be very complex and, and, and very, very comprehensive, too. And so basically it comes down to listening to what that person is asking in terms of the types of services that they need and getting them towards the proper agencies that may offer those appropriate services that they're looking for. And so, but not only that, it's so much more about not only giving them the appropriate services that they need, but giving them the chance to direct those services. And that's where the person-centered thinking comes from. That's where the leadership programs come from. Because in in many cases, um, People need to understand that that they may be service recipients of government services. However, they have they should be they, that person receiving those services have a say in terms of how the services are given to them and how they should direct them because because it's not a, you're not improving the quality of life. For a person, if you're simply giving them a bunch of services that they may or may not need, and so, so in terms of the duty council, we expect our our young leaders, our citizens, with duty to fully be invested in the types of services that they're receiving, and if they're not satisfied with the quality of services or or the programs that they're receiving. We expect them to advocate and educate our policymakers and government officials on how to improve those services that would that would lend to having a better life for themselves. Yeah, yeah, that that is so important. The work you're doing is so important. Um, and you know, one of the reasons, as you know, I'm all about employment, and Matt. As we both know, many people with developmental disabilities live in poverty and cannot find employment. And for people with intellectual disabilities, it is terrible trying to gain, you know, competitive employment. Um, Why do you think that is, Matt? Why do you think that's the case? So, so I would want to 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 take a different look at how. How can we make sure that more folks with DD and ID get employment? And and when it comes to understanding, um, why why do why are many folks with DD in poverty? There are so many different factors, and so um, and I can go through the entire lifespan. For me, um, what I tell folks, um about my, my, my growth 
is that when my parents um, received the diagnosis that I had CP, cerebral palsy, they made sure that I received the proper intervention services or early intervention services such as Part C services that allow me to access um, the, the, the proper therapies such as speech therapy, physical therapy, and, and of course, um, and as I became a toddler, um, I, I was able to access the Part B early in intervention services that allow me to access the the public school system services, and um and so and so starting with those services allow me to really to really engage with my peers and with my teachers in the academic setting, whereas in many cases, many of the um, students with displays are pulled away from the classroom to receive those proper therapies. But my parents were, were a great advocate on my behalf to make sure that my academic um, ability was not impacted from being taken away from the classroom all too much. That was the one thing that my parents were were very involved in making sure that that yes, I did receive the proper therapies that that was um, given to me under IDEA, the Individuals with Disability Education Act, and but they also understood that that I should be able to to be given the same opportunity to learn as much as possible academically, and so so. We made insurances to make sure that I maintained my presence inside the classroom along with my peers without this ways to learn how to read, to do math, to do science. And, and I realized that not all citizens with intellectual displays may not be able to do that. However, it goes a long way when a, a, a student with an intellectual display is fully included inside the regular classroom working along with their peers without displays because um, in many cases there's still that stigma against citizens with intellectual displays that, um, that some families we want to segregate them away from the general population and, and that's their choice. And that's very fine, but in many cases, studies have shown that citizens with intellectual disabilities and citizens with DD um, do much better in terms of being fully included along with their peers without disabilities, and they're able to perform better later on as a young adult, simply because they've been exposed to their peers without displays and the and in many cases if they are placed in an inclusive setting and being given the tools to successfully advocate on in terms of the types of accommodations that they need, they are that much more prepared to either go off to post secondary education and or their career of their choosing because they've been given the proper opportunities to 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 succeed. And if and if some of those factors such as if the family members 
are not given the proper support from the school system to have their students, to have their son or daughter be fully included, then that could be one factor that could be negatively impact the the, the students' long term capability of receiving a job. It's also having having that students truly understand what accommodations do they really need in order to succeed in a work environment. Um and and as we all know, um um a person with a disability, um, for example, I'm a person with CP. My CP impacts me only the only way that I know. And so, but there are several other people with CP that that require other accommodations that may that may be totally different from my accommodation. And so, understanding the the different um, intricacies of how does that this will impact that one person, and are they willing to to advocate and communicate that with others? Um, that may not necessarily understand right away, but as long as they're very firm about what they need and understand their their rights under the the Americans with with this act, and they know how to advocate. Probably, in many cases, the long-term trajectory is is improved by all the proper supports they that they received along the way from birth all the way to young adulthood. And so, there are so many factors that that may impact that person's trajectory. Wow! And wow! So, yeah. That so, is, yeah, that's a lot. That is, yeah. a, and you know what? I agree with so much of what you said. I really do. Uh, And hopefully we can change that. But right now we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Matt McCullough, Executive Director of the District of Columbia Developmental Disabilities Council. Don't go away. We're coming back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. 
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Matt McCullough, the Executive Director of the District of Columbia Developmental Disabilities Council. And, you know, one thing I think is very clear is that, number one, parents need to be engaged because if you're not, you can have a lot of issues. Number two, it's nothing about us without us, and you've got to get people with developmental disabilities included in the mainstream, not just off by themselves, uh, or, or never are they going to be integrated in society to work and to have a competitive life. Um, and, and I think Matt has made that very clear from the last conversation that we've had. And, and I also noticed um, that you have worked nationally, you know, on many areas, but one that we talked about is intellectual disabilities. Now, you know, Matt, there have been presidential, well, there is a presidential council, uh, and, yeah. I, and over time I've received so many calls and I've had meetings with disability leaders, and the one thing they talk about over and over again is what do we have to do to see a change in intellectual disabilities, whether that be Down syndrome, you know, or a cognitive learning disability. And, uh, you know, Matt, do you think that maybe part of that is just based on myths, fear, uh, stigma? What do you think? Well, I think think it's it's a combination of all those factors that, that... um, that people may not truly understand what a person with an with ID truly has, has to go through on a day-to-day basis. But the fact that most recently um, Congress passed a law known as the Workforce Innovation and, uh, and the Opportunities Act, which said that we need to invest in high school students in transition. And so, so which means that, that the East State has a book rehab agency that really focuses on, on employment for citizens with disabilities and based on this law known as, as WIOA, it said that we need to recognize and invest more in our citizens currently going through high school and making sure that they're linked to the proper t- Position services that may lead them into um, internships and 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 post-secondary opportunities and so forth. The the greatest the greatest um, um the greatest um measure of a person's overall success is when they are still in high school and if they're able to get at least two internships um, while in high school and. And I truly believe that, that that measure really matters in terms of our citizens with intellectual disabilities, having them be involved um, in volunteer work and getting those internships at a very young age prefers them and 
propels them going forward in terms of gaining the competitive and integrated type jobs that are offered out there. And also, they need to understand that there are services such as the vocational rehab agencies in each state that supports them towards the comparative and integrated employment that they're seeking. And so, so there's definitely hope for, for our community. Um, it's simply making sure that our citizens with intellectual disabilities are listened to and are given the proper self-advocacy skills speak up and knowing that give them the give them the skills to really um, do the comparative employment that they're um, seeking to do. And so in my mind there's definitely um definitely help in this particular field. We have so many service providers that are willing to make sure that, that our citizens with intellectual disabilities are gain um comparative employment and also if we can get more citizens with intellectual disability to work those competitive and integrated um, jobs, that also means that in many cases they can access health care, the portal, um, text base. Knowing that being, if they can work a little more, um, that means that they may not be as dependent on social security income or other public welfare programs that that many of our many of the general population knows us for for trying to access. But if we can blame finding a way to get our citizens with intellectual disabilities and development disabilities to to work more in many cases, we're saving this nation a lot of money if they can um, work um, those competitive jobs and not have them stay at home um, receiving a social security check. And I realize that not everybody is fully capable of doing that, but there are so many, there are so many of us that are currently sitting at home not giving any help to go after this compared to those compared jobs and we need to give them that sense of empowerment and sense of determination to do so. And so that's why that's why the Diddy Council exists in the first place, to give them that sense of ownership, that sense of accountability to to go after you know, that employment um um opportunity and so forth. Right. Right. Yes, I agree. Well, Matt, how about, and I hope we see that, Matt, because that's really an issue with me to include people with intellectual disabilities in the workforce and get them the skills they need and find the jobs for them. Um, So, you know, that is my hope. Um, But, Matt, how about you yourself? Uh, you are a person with a developmental disabilities. What obstacles have you faced uh, as a person living with a developmental disability? So, so, so there are so many laws that support our students with, with disabilities growing up, such as IDA and Section 504 of the Rehab Act. However, there are no laws. Um, addressing um, the social in- interactions of students with disabilities 
with our students without disabilities. And so when I was growing up, I was socially awkward. And so, so, so trying to fit in with my peers without disabilities was a great struggle for me. And so, and my parents recognized that. So what they did was that they got me involved in in the, in the Boy Scouts and the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts. And, and so I would have those intentional interactions with other peers without displays. And, and of course, um, um, growing up, I, I also experienced some, some bullying and stuff like that. And so, so um, growing up as a, as a child with a display is not always um, nice and, and clean. And so, so, if we can allow our our young adults to be given the proper self-advocacy skills to speak up and say, I'm not willing to take this because this is wrong, that will be one of the great skills that they can acquire when they're growing up. Because, as you know, just a lot of citizens with this place experience the, 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 the bullying element um, and so, and, and, and knowing that, um, the fact that our citizens with disabilities do not do well academically because of certain factors dealing with bullying, then we need to support our citizens, our citizens with disabilities, and making sure that they're given the proper survivalcy skills to say no, I'm not willing to take this, and truly stand up for themselves. Yeah. Well, you know, many kids are bullied, but you have to remember the muchness that you have. You have to learn to stand up for who you are because you are someone important. So, Matt, I think I may know the answer to this, but, you know, I look at you. You have a developmental disability, but look at all the things that you have accomplished in your life. So. Who would you say is your role model? So my greatest role model growing up was my grandfather. My grandfather served in World War II, and he acquired his disability during the war. And so, so, and I was adopted as a baby. Um, and my my parents served in the Air Force. My father served in the Air Force. So, so I was. Raised by a military family, and so, so my grandfather, at a very young age, instilled in me that that regardless if I'm a person with a disability, that no one can take away my dignity, my integrity, that that um, in order for me to to survive in this world, um. Granted, it's going to be tough, but 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 my grandfather always taught me that I must have I must learn how to come into my own as an adult, and he was very supportive of that. And it and it takes great discipline to 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 really see things forward and and not dwell too much on all the. Uh, of all the kids picking on you some, at times that, that, that it takes great discipline to recognize that 
you can be your own person and that, that, and that you can influence other people through your own actions. And so that was the greatest, um, greatest thing that my grandfather taught me growing up is that, that I can be my own person and it takes great discipline to get through those really tough times and, but we're able to find your own voice and stand up for, for what you believe in, you will definitely make it through it. So that's what my grandfather taught me when I was growing up. Wow, I can see he really had a big impact on you and a good impact, Matt. So, Thank you. I mean, you, you, you really went the right way, that's for sure. So, you know, I'm reading this. Here you are, such a young guy, and, let you, and yet you have done so much already. But if you had to think of one thing, one thing that was your greatest accomplishment, what would that be? There will be so many, so many, but, but the mere, the mere existence, the mere presence of what I do day to day that, that tells other people that yes, it is possible for a person with a development display to succeed and to, to really, to really overcome many of the challenges that uh, experience. Personally, I wouldn't want to to have anybody experience what I've been through, um, because it has been tough. But with each accomplishment, with each achievement, there's achievements that accomplishments um, reflect what I was raised upon in terms of what my parents taught me, uh, the types of support and the types of love. I received from people like like you, Joyce, trying to give me proper encouragement. Each time I I I yeah. I go after what going after what's next. There's always that question of what's next, and the fact that I've achieved so much right now, I I also realize that I have a few several thousand more miles to go, and so. So, so I should never be um, be satisfied, um, be resting on my morals because because I realize that whatever I do, there are other people following my footsteps, and if I can pave the way um, a little easier than what I experience while I'm doing my job in terms of serving as the executive director of the Diddy Council or assuming as the board president for the National Association of Council on, on DD. And so, so because I truly believe that I'm not the only one out there that wants to, to succeed, and, and, and if I can pay that way for others, um, I'm, I'm, that makes me happy, and that, that has served my parents, my family well, uh, as well. Wow. Well, you still have a long way to go. And yes, I know, indeed. Matt, you will continue on and you'll continue yeah. making uh, great strides for people with disabilities, and I am just so proud of you. So, Thank Matt, you. what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? So, so I would basically say that, 
choose a life that you want for your family and for yourself and do it with intention, purpose, and integrity. And so if you do that, you lead by example and if you take direction, um, other people will follow in your footsteps. And so, so that's why I would leave with the audience today is simply lead me with purpose, lead with integrity, lead with lead with some direction, and and everything else will fall into place. Yeah, isn't that true? Treat others as you want to be treated. Yeah. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Yeah, Indeed. Matt, that is really great, and Matt. It has certainly been a pleasure to have you as a guest today on the show. Uh, I'm just so proud of you and proud of all the work you're doing. uh, And I just want you to continue marching forward the way you have been. Thank you very much, Royce. Thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Wow, it was great to have you also. Um, And before we end the show, I just want to mention about our guest next week, uh, Deborah Germany from Divine uh, Intervention Ministries. This woman had a very tragic thing happen with her son, and man, she turned around and did something that a lot of people wouldn't be able to do to pay it forward. Uh, and, you know, you will be hearing about gun violence in this show. Uh, so, you know, make sure you tune in, tune in to hear Deborah Germany next week on the show. And we end every show with a quote. And today it is, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent said Eleanor Roosevelt. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week with Deborah. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.